0: Help us choose which books to read next on Send Me to Sleep. You can vote using the
1: link in the episode notes. Thanks everyone. Welcome to Send Me to Sleep, the place to find a good night's rest. My
0: name's Andrew, and I'm so pleased you've joined me tonight, and taken this time for yourself to ensure you get a peaceful night's sleep. Tonight, I'll be reading chapters 14 to 16 of Anna Karenina by Leo Tolstoy.
1: In the last chapters, we rejoined Levin on his farm. In tonight's story, Levin is visited by Stepan Arkadyevich. If you haven't already, find a nice place to get cosy. Take a deep, relaxing breath and settle your body whatever way feels most comfortable. Now all you'll need to do is follow the sound of my voice. So let your eyes fall heavy and your breath soften as we settle in for a peaceful night's sleep. Chapter Fourteen As he rode up to the house in the happiest frame of mind, Levin heard the bell ring
0: at the side of the principal entrance of the house. Yes, that's someone from the railway station, he thought.
1: Just the time to be here from the Moscow train. Who could it be? What if it's Brother Nikolai? He did say, Maybe I'll go to the waters, or maybe I'll come down to you. He felt
0: dismayed and vexed for the first minute that his Brother Nikolai's presence should come to disturb his happy mood of spring. But he felt ashamed of this feeling, and at once he opened, as it were, the arms of his soul. And with a softened feeling of joy and expectation, now he hoped with all his heart that it was his brother. He pricked up his horse, and riding out from behind the acacias, he saw a hired three-horse sledge from the railway station, and a gentleman in a fur coat. It was not his brother. Oh! If it were only some nice person one could talk to a little, he
1: thought. Ah, cried Levin joyfully, flinging up both his hands. Here's a
0: delightful visitor. Ah, how glad I am to see you, he shouted, recognising Stepan Arkadyevitch. I shall find out for certain whether she's married or when she's going to be married, he thought, and on that delicious spring day, he felt that the thought of her did not hurt him at all. Well, you didn't expect me, eh? said Stepan Arkadyevitch, getting out of the sledge, splashed with mud on the bridge of his nose, on his
1: cheek and on his eyebrows, but radiant with health and good spirits. I've come to see you in the first
0: place, he said, embracing and kissing him, to have some stand shooting second, and to sell the forest at Ergoshovo
1: third. Delightful. What a spring we're having. However did you get along on a sledge?
0: In a cart it would have been worse still. Konstantin Dmitrievich, answered the driver, who knew him. Well, I'm very, very glad to see you, said Levin, with a genuine smile of childlike delight. Levin led his friend to the room set apart for visitors, where Stepan Arkadyevitch's things were carried also a bag, a gun in a case, a satchel of cigars. Leaving him there to wash and change his clothes, Levin went off to the counting house to speak about ploughing and clover. Agafey Mihalovna, always very anxious for the credit of the house, met him in the hall with inquiries about dinner.
1: Do just as you like, only let it be as soon as possible, he said, and went to the bailiff. When he came back, Stepan Arkadyevitch washed and combed,
0: came out of his room with a beaming smile, and they went upstairs together. Well, I am glad I managed to get away to you. Now I shall understand the mysterious
1: business that you are always absorbed in here. No, really, I envy you. What a house. How nice it all is. So bright, so cheerful,
0: said Stepan Arkadyevitch, forgetting that it was not always spring, and fine weather like that day. And your nurse is simply charming. A pretty maid in an apron might be even more agreeable, perhaps. But for your severe monistic style, it does very well. Stepan Arkadyevitch told him many interesting pieces of news. Especially interesting to Levin was the news that his brother, Sergei Ivanovitch, was intending to pay him a visit in the summer. Not one word did Stepan Arkadyevitch say in reference to Kitty and the Shabatskys. He merely gave him greetings from his wife. Levin was grateful to him for his delicacy, and was very glad of his visit. As always happened with him during his solitude, a mass of ideas and feelings had been accumulating within him, which he could not communicate to those about him. And now he poured out upon Stepan Arkachevich his poetic joy in the spring, and his failures and plans for the land. And his thoughts and criticisms on the books he had been reading, and the idea of his own book, and the basis of which really was, though he was unaware of it himself, a criticism of all the books on agriculture. Stepan Arkadyevitch, always charming, understanding everything at the slightest reference, was particularly charming on this visit and Levin noticed in him a special tenderness, as it were, and a new tone of respect that flattered him. The efforts of Agafey Mihalovna and the cook, that the dinner should be particularly good, only ended in the two famished friends attacking the preliminary course, eating a great deal of bread and butter, salt goose and salted mushrooms, and in Levin's finally ordering the soup to be served without the accompaniment of little pies, with which the cook had particularly meant to impress their visitor. But though Stepan Arkadyevitch was accustomed to very different dinners, he thought everything excellent. The herb brandy, and the bread and the butter, and above all, the salt goose and the mushrooms, and the nettle soup, and the chicken in white sauce, and the white crimny
1: wine. Everything was superb and delicious. Splendid, splendid, he said,
0: lighting a fat cigar after the roast. I feel as if, coming to you, I had landed on a peaceful shore after the noise and jolting of a steamer. And so, You maintain that the labourer himself is an element to be studied and to regulate the choice of methods in agriculture. Of course, I am an ignorant outsider, but I should fancy theory and its applications will have its influence on the labourer too. Yes, but wait a bit. I'm not talking of political economy. I'm talking of the science of agriculture. It ought to be like the natural sciences, and to observe given phenomena and the labourer in his economic, ethnographical.
1: At this instant, Agafey Mihailovna came in with jam. Oh,
0: Agafey Mihailovna, said Stepan Arkadyevitch kissing the
1: tips of his plump fingers. What salt goose, what herb brandy. What do you think? Isn't it time to start, Kostya? He added.
0: Levin looked out of the window at the sun sinking behind the bare
1: treetops of the forest. Yes, it's time, he said. Kuzma. Get ready the trap, and he ran downstairs. Stepan Arkadyevitch, going down, carefully
0: took the canvas cover off his varnished gun case with his own hands,
1: and opened it, began to get ready his expensive new fashioned gun. Kuzma, who
0: already scented a big tip never left Stepan Arkadyevitch's side, and put on him both his stockings and boots, a task which Stepan Arkadziewicz readily left him. Kostya, give orders that if the merchant Ryabinin comes,
1: I told him to come today, he's to be brought in and to wait for me. Why? Do you mean to say you're selling the forest to Ryabinin? Yes.
0: Do you know him? To be sure I do. I've had to do business with him, positively and conclusively. Stepan Arkadyevitch laughed. Positively and conclusively were the merchant's favourite words. Yes. It's wonderfully funny the way he talks. She knows where her master's going, he added,
1: patting Lasker, who hung about Levin, whining and licking his hands, his boots and his gun. The trap was already at the steps when they went out.
0: I told them to bring the trap round, or would you rather walk?
1: No. We'd better drive, said Stepan Arkadyevitch, getting into the trap. He sat
0: down, tucked the tiger-skin rug round him, and lighted a
1: cigar. How is it you don't smoke? A cigar is a sort of thing, not exactly a pleasure, but the crown and outward sign of pleasure. Come, this is life. How splendid it is. This is how I should like to live. Why, who prevents you? said Levin, smiling. No, you're a lucky man. You've got everything you like. You like horses, and you have them. Dogs, you have them. Shooting, you have it. Farming, you have it. Perhaps because I rejoice in
0: what I have, and don't fret for what I haven't, said Levin,
1: thinking of Kitty. Stepan Arkadyevitch comprehended, looking at him, but said nothing.
0: Levin was grateful to Oblonsky for noticing, with his never failing tact, that he dreaded conversation about the Shabatskys and so saying nothing about them. But now Levin was longing to find out what so tormented him,
1: yet he had not the courage to begin. Come, tell me how things are going with you, said Levin,
0: bethinking himself that it was not nice of him to think only of himself.
1: Stepan Arkadyevitch's eyes sparkled merrily. You don't admit, I know,
0: that one can be fond of new roles when one has one's rations of bread. To your mind, it's a crime, but I don't count life as life without love, he said,
1: taking Levin's question his own way. What am I to do? I'm made that way, and really, one does so little harm to anyone and gives oneself so much pleasure. What? Is there something new, then? queried Levin.
0: Yes, my boy, there is. There, do you see? You know the type of Ossian's women. Women such as ones we see in dreams. Well, these women are sometimes to be met in reality. And these women are terrible. Women, don't you know,
1: is such a subject that however much you study it, it's always perfectly new. Well then, it would be better not to study it. No,
0: some mathematician has said that enjoyment lies in the
1: search for truth, not in the finding it. Levin listened in silence, and in spite of all the
0: efforts he made, could not in the least enter into the feelings of his friend
1: and understand his sentiments and the charm of studying such women. Chapter 15 The place fixed on for the stand shooting was not far
0: above a stream in a little aspen copse. On reaching the copse, Levin got out of the trap and led Oblonsky to a corner of mossy, swampy glade, already quite free from snow. He went back himself to a double birch tree on the other side and leaning his gun on the fork of a dead lower branch, he took off his full
1: overcoat, fastened his belt again, and worked his arms to see if they were free. Grey old Lasker, who had followed them, sat down warily
0: opposite him and pricked up his ears. The sun was setting behind a thick forest, and in the glow of sunset the birch trees dotted about in the aspen copse, stood out clearly with their hanging twigs and their buds swollen almost to bursting. From the thickest part of the copse, where the snow still remained, came the faint sound of narrow, winding threads of water running away.
1: Tiny birds twittered, and now and then, fluttered from tree to tree. In the pauses of complete stillness there came the rustle
0: of last year's leaves, stirred by the thawing of the earth
1: and the growth of the grass. Imagine, one can hear and see the grass growing, Levin said
0: to himself, noticing a wet, slate-coloured aspen-leaf moving beside a blade of young grass. He stood, listened, and gazed sometimes down at the wet, mossy ground, sometimes at Laska, listening all alert, sometimes at the sea of bare treetops that stretched on the slope below him, sometimes at the darkening sky, covered with white streaks of cloud. A hawk flew high over a forest, far away, with slow sweep of its wings. Another flew with exactly the same motion, in the same direction, and vanished.
1: The birds twittered more and more loudly and busily in the thicket. An owl, hooted not far off, and Laska, starting,
0: stepped cautiously a few steps forward, and putting her head
1: on one side, began to listen intently. Beyond the stream was heard the cuckoo. Twice she uttered her usual cuckoo call, and then gave a hoarse, hurried call, and broke down. Imagine, the cuckoo already, said Stepan Arkadjavich, coming out from behind a bush. Yes, I hear it, answered Levin,
0: reluctantly breaking the stillness with his voice, which sounded disagreeable
1: to himself. Now it's coming. Stepan Arkadjavich's figure again went
0: behind the bush and Levin saw nothing but the bright flash
1: of a match, followed by the red glow and blue smoke of a cigarette. Tuck, tuck, came the snapping sound of Stepan Arkadyevitch cocking his gun.
0: What's that cry? asked Obronsky, drawing Levin's attention to a prolonged cry as though a colt
1: were whining in a high voice in play. Oh, don't you know it? That's the hare. But enough talking. Listen, it's flying. Almost shrieked Levin, cocking his gun.
0: They heard a shrill whistle in the distance, and in the exact
1: time, so well known to the sportsman. Two seconds later, another, a third, and after the third whistle, the hoarse, guttural cry could be heard. Levin looked about him, to right and to left, and there, just facing him against
0: the dusky blue sky, above the confused mass of tender shoots of the Aspens, he saw the flying bird. It was flying straight towards him. The guttural cry, like the even tearing of some strong stuff, sounded close to his ear. The long beak and neck of the bird could be seen. And at the very instant when Levin was taking aim, behind the bush where Oblonsky stood, there was a flash of red lightning. The bird dropped like an arrow and darted upwards again. Again came the red flash and the sound of a blow, and fluttering its wings as though trying to keep up in the air, the bird halted,
1: stopped still an instant, and fell with a heavy splash on the slushy ground. Can I have missed it? shouted Stepan Arkadyevitch, who could not see for the smoke. Here it is, said Levin,
0: pointing to Laska, who with one ear raised, wagging the end of her shaggy tail, came slowly back as though she would
1: prolong the pleasure, and as it were, smiling, brought the dead bird to her master. Well I'm
0: glad you were successful, said Levin, who, at the same time, had a sense of envy that he had not succeeded in shooting the snipe.
1: It was a bad shot from the right barrel, responded Stepan Arkadyevich, loading his gun. Shush, it's flying. The
0: shrill whistles rapidly following one another were heard again. Two snipe, playing and chasing one another, and only whistling, not crying, flew straight at the very head of the sportsman. There were the reports of four shots, and like swallows, the snipe turned swift somersaults in
1: the air and vanished from sight. The stand shooting was capital. Stepan
0: Arkadyevitch shot two more birds, and Levin two, of which one
1: was not found. It began to get dark. Venus, bright and silvery, shone with her soft light
0: low down in the west behind the birch trees, and high up in the east twinkled the red lights of Arcturus.
1: Over his head. Levin made out the stars of the great bear and lost them again. The
0: snipe had ceased flying, but Levin resolved to stay a little longer, till Venus, which he saw below a branch of a birch, should be above it, and the star of the great bear should be perfectly plain. Venus had risen above the branch and the ear of the great bear with its shaft was now all plainly visible against the dark blue sky.
1: Yet still he waited. Isn't it time to go home? said Stepan Arkadyevitch. It
0: was quite still now in the copse, and not a bird was stirring.
1: Let's stay a little while, answered Levin. As you like. They were standing now about fifteen paces from one another.
0: Steva, said Levin, unexpectedly, how is it you don't tell me whether your sister in law's married yet? Or when she's going to be? Levin felt so resolute and serene that no answer, he fancied,
1: could affect him but he had never dreamed of what Stepan Arkadyevitch replied. She never thought of being married and isn't thinking of it, but she's very ill and the doctors have sent her abroad. They're positively afraid that she may not live. What? cried Levin. Very ill. What is wrong with her? How has she? While they were saying this, Laska, with her ears pricked up, was looking upwards at the sky and reproachfully at them. They have chosen a time to talk, she was thinking. It's on the wing. Here it is. Yes, it is. They'll miss it, thought Laska. But at that very instant, both suddenly heard a
0: shrill whistle, which, as it were, smote on their ears. And both suddenly seized their guns, and two flashes gleamed, and two bangs sounded at the same instant. The snipe flying high above
1: instantly folded its wings and fell into a thicket bending down the delicate shoots. Splendid, together, cried Levin, and he ran with Laska into the thicket to look for the snipe. Oh yes, what was it that was unpleasant, he wondered. Yes, Kitty's ill. Well, it can't be helped, I'm very sorry he thought. She found it. Isn't she a clever thing, he said, taking the warm bird from Lasker's mouth and packing it into the almost full game bag. I've got it, Steva, he shouted. Chapter 16 On the way home, Levin asked all details of Kitty's illness and the Shabatsky's
0: plan, and though he would have been ashamed to admit it, he was pleased at what he heard. He was pleased that there was still hope, and still more pleased that she should be suffering, who had made him suffer so much. But when Stepan Arkadyevitch began to speak of the causes of Kitty's illness, mentioned Vronsky's
1: name, Levin cut him short. I have no right whatever to know family matters, and, to
0: tell the truth, no interest in them either. Stepan Arkadyevitch smiled hardly perceptibly, catching the instantaneous change he knew so well in Levin's face,
1: which had become as gloomy as it had been bright a minute before. Have you quite settled about the forest with Ryabinin? asked Levin. Yes, it is settled. The price is magnificent. Thirty-eight thousand. Eight straight away,
0: and the rest in six years. I've been bothering about it forever so long. No one would give more. Then you've as good as given away your forest for nothing, said Levin gloomily. How do you mean for nothing, said Stepan Arkadyevitch, with a good-humoured smile, knowing that nothing would be right in Levin's eyes now. Because the forest is worth at least a hundred and fifty rubles the
1: acre answered Levin. Oh, these farmers, said Stepan Arkadyevitch playfully,
0: your tone of contempt for us poor townsfolk. But when it comes to business, we do it better than anyone. I assure you, I have reckoned it all out, he said, and the forest is fetching a very good price, so much so that I'm afraid of this fellow's crying off. In fact, you know it's not timber, said Stepan Arkadyevitch, hoping by this distinction to convince Levin completely of the unfairness of his doubts. And it won't run to more than twenty-five yards of bundles per acre, and he's giving me at the rate
1: of seventy rubles the acre. Levin smiled contemptuously. I know, he thought,
0: that fashion not only in him, but in all city people, who, after being twice in ten years in the country, pick up two or three phrases and use them in season and out of season, firmly persuaded that they know all about it. Timber runs so many yards the acre. He said those words without understanding them himself. I wouldn't attempt to teach you what you write about in your office, said he. And if need arose, I should come to you to ask about it. But you're so positive you know all the lore of the forest. It's difficult. Have you counted the trees? How count the trees, said Stepan Arkadyevitch, laughing, still trying to draw his friend out of his ill temper. Count the sands of the sea,
1: number the stars, some higher power might do it. Oh, well, the higher power
0: of can. Not a single merchant ever buys a forest, Without counting the trees, unless they get it given them for nothing, so as you're doing now. I know your forest, I go there every year shooting, and your forest's worth a hundred and fifty rubles an acre, paid down, while he's giving you sixty by instalments. So that, in fact, you're making him a present of thirty thousand. Come, don't let your imagination run away with you, said Stepan Arkadyevitch piteously.
1: Why was it none would give it then? Why, because he has an understanding with the merchants. He's bought
0: them off. I've had to do with all of them, I know them. They're not merchants, you know, they're speculators. He wouldn't look at a bargain that gave him ten, fifteen per cent profit, but holds back to buy a ruble's worth
1: for twenty kopecks. Well, enough of it. You're out of temper. Not the least," said Levin gloomily as they drove up to the house. At the steps, there stood a trap, tightly
0: covered with iron and leather, with a sleek horse tightly harnessed with broad collar straps. In the trap sat the chubby, tightly-belted clerk who served Ryabinin as
1: coachman. Ryabinin himself was already in the house and met the friends in the hall.
0: Ryabinin was a tall, thinnish, middle-aged man with moustache and a projecting, clean-shaven chin, and prominent, muddy-looking eyes. He was dressed in a long, skirted blue coat, with buttons below the waist at the back, and wore high boots wrinkled over the ankle and straight over the calf, with big galoshes drawn over them. He rubbed his face with his handkerchief, and wrapping round him his coat, which sat extremely well as it was. He greeted them with a smile, holding out his hand to Stepan Arkadyevitch, as though he wanted
1: to catch something. So here you are, said Stepan Arkadyevitch, giving him his hand. That's capital. I did not venture to
0: disregard your excellency's commands though the road was extremely bad. I positively walked the whole way, but I am here at my time. Konstantin Dmitrievitch, my respects. He turned to Levin, trying to seize his hand
1: too. But Levin, scowling, made as though he did not notice his hand, and took out the snipe.
0: Your honours have been diverting yourself with the chase. What kind of bird may it be, pray, added Ryabinin, looking contemptuously at the snipe. A great delicacy, I suppose. And he shook his head disapprovingly, as though he had grave doubts whether this game were worth the candle. Would you like to go into my study? Levin said in French to Stepan Arkadyevitch, scowling morosely. "'Go into my study.
1: You can talk there.' "'Quite so, where you please,' said Ryabinin, with contemptuous dignity,
0: as though wishing to make it felt that others might be in difficulties as to how to behave, but that he could never be in any difficulty about anything.'
1: On entering the study, Ryabinin looked about as his habit was, as though seeking the holy picture, but when he had found it, he did not cross himself. He scanned the bookcases and bookshelves,
0: and with the same dubious air with which he had regarded the snipe, he smiled contemptuously and shook his head disapprovingly as though by no means willing to allow that this game were worth the candle.
1: Well, have you brought the money? asked Obronsky, Sit down. Oh, don't trouble about the money. I've come to see you to talk it over. What is there to talk over? But do sit down. I don't mind if I do
0: said Ryabinin, sitting down and leaning his elbows on the back of his chair, in a position of the intensest discomfort to himself. You must knock it down a bit, Prince. It would be too bad. The money is ready conclusively to the last
1: farthing. As to paying the money down, there'll be no hitch there. Levin who had meanwhile been putting
0: his gun away in the cupboard, was just going out of the door, but
1: catching the merchant's words, he stopped. Why, you've got the forest for nothing as it is, he said.
0: He came to me too late, or I'd have fixed the price for him.
1: Ryabinin got up, and in silence, with a smile, he looked Levin down and up.
0: Very close about money is Konstantin dmitrievich he said with a smile, turning to Stepan Arkadyevitch. There's positively no dealing with him. I was bargaining for some wheat off him, and a pretty price I offered too. Why should I give you my goods for nothing? I didn't pick it up on the ground, nor steal it either. Mercy on us. Nowadays there's no chance at all of stealing. With the open courts and everything done in style, nowadays there's no question of stealing. We are just talking things over like gentlemen. His Excellency's asking too much for the forest. I can't make both ends meet over it. I must ask for a little concession. But is the thing settled between you or not? If it's settled,
1: it's useless haggling. But if it's not, said Levin, I'll buy the forest. The smile vanished at
0: once from Ryabinin's face. A hawk-like, greedy, cruel expression was left upon it. With rapid, bony fingers, he unbuttoned his coat, revealing a shirt bronze waistcoat buttons, and a watch chain, and quickly pulled out a fat old pocketbook. Here you are. The forest is mine, he said, crossing himself quickly and holding out his hand. Take the money. It's mine. That's Ryabinin's way of doing business. He doesn't haggle over every halfpenny," he added. Scowling and waving the
1: pocketbook. I wouldn't be in a hurry if I were you, said Levin. Come, really, said Oblonsky in surprise. I've given my word, you know.
0: Levin went out of the room, slamming the door. Ryabinin looked towards the door and shook his head with a smile. It's all youthfulness, positively nothing but boyishness. Why, I'm buying it, upon my honour, simply, believe me, for the glory of it, that Ryabinin and no one else should have bought the copse of Oblonsky. And as to the profits, why, I must make what God gives, in God's name, if you would kindly sign the title deed. Within an hour, the merchant, stroking his big overcoat neatly down and hooking up his jacket with the agreement in his pocket, seated himself in his
1: tightly covered trap and drove homewards. Ah, these gentlefolk, he said to the clerk. They're, they're a nice lot. That's so,
0: responded the clerk, handing him the reins and buttoning the leather apron.
1: But can I congratulate you on the purchase, Mihail Ignatich? Well, well.